I'm Lisa Stone, and you're listening to Parenting Aces. It's winter, and you can now get almost anything you need for the coldest months of the year delivered with Uber Eats. What do we mean by almost? Well, you can't get a ski slope delivered, but you can get dish soap delivered. Sunshine, that's a no. But a bottle of wine, that's a yes. A snow angel, sorry, no, but angel hair pasta. Uber Eats can definitely get you that. Get almost, almost anything delivered with Uber Eats. Order now. Alcohol and select markets. Product availability may vary by region. See app for details. Welcome to season 10 of the Parenting Aces podcast, part of the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. I'm your host, Lisa Stone, and this week we have another installment in our little series checking in with some of the players that my son came up with who are now out of college and into adulthood and just trying to see where their path in tennis led them eBay Motors is here for the ride. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you can make sure your ride stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply what they were doing after junior tennis, what they're doing now. And my guest this week is Cruz Enix. Cruz and my son grew up together from, uh, I think kindergarten is when they first met, went all through school together. Cruz is actually part of the reason that my son got into tennis to begin with. So we have a very long relationship and the guys are still in contact with one another, still friends, and I am still in contact with Cruz's parents back in Atlanta. And so I'm really excited to chat with him and let him share his story with all of you. Before I bring him on, just a quick reminder, if you'd like to see the video version of our podcast, you can catch that on ParentingAces.com and on our YouTube channel. If you haven't become a premium member of Parenting Aces yet, we'd love to have you join us either as a monthly or an annual subscriber. And take a look at our shop while you're on ParentingAces.com and check out our new merch. So without further ado, let me bring Cruz on. I'm unmuting you now. Cruz, welcome to the podcast. Hey, Lisa. Thank you so much for having me on. Um, I'm really excited to be on and uh, commend you for for making this uh, resource available to to so many uh, tennis parents out there. Well, thank you. It's so nice to see your face. You're all grown up. I don't think I've actually seen you in person since high school graduation. So um, it's a pleasure to see you and to have the opportunity to chat. So why don't you start by telling us a little bit about how you got started playing tennis? You have kind of a unique story. Yeah, I do. I actually just asked my parents before I came on, like, do you know when I started playing tennis? Because it's just... Uh, ever since I can remember, uh, I grew up in a tennis family, uh, probably where I should start. Uh, yeah. My parents both played uh, tennis for the University of Georgia. That's where they met. Uh, they were the same four years uh, back in the 1980s. And, uh, you know, ever since I was, I'd say, like four years old, I started playing tennis. And, you know, probably picked up a racket before then even. But um, I didn't get too serious uh, playing tennis until I was 
10, 11 or so, you know, in, in between there, uh, Morgan and I started playing probably. I mean, I think we met each other in, in preschool. And I know uh, I would listen to his podcast earlier in the week, and he talked about playing uh, junior alto as maybe his first experience. I think my first kind of competitive experience playing tennis was also on a, on a junior alto team, uh, a different one than Morgan. I actually played with one of my mom's teammates from uh, when she played at Georgia. She had a son uh, that had a, a junior team not, not too far away from me. So that's where I first began uh, playing tennis on a junior alto team with him. Uh, he was playing tournaments at the time, and I was kind of just, just doing it uh, to hang out with friends. And eventually, I kind of made my way into training and, and playing tournaments through the, the 12 and unders when I started. Got, like, kind of peak competitive through the 14s and eventually winded down a little bit, but but still played high school with Morgan and even played a little bit uh, in college with club tennis. And I still play a little bit recreationally now. So I have this memory of you and Morgan getting together after school multiple times a week. And sometimes y'all would get together at our house and sometimes you would get together at your house. And when you got together at your house, y'all had a tennis court right across the street in your neighborhood. And the two of you, you and Morgan would go hit some balls and then you come back to your house and do whatever, play video games, hang out, whatever. Um, And I also remember that you grew physically much faster (laughs) than Morgan did. And in the 12s, you were one of the tallest and biggest kids in the 12s locally. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, you're right. I I played on a, you know, my parents, uh, being a tennis family, they made sure to buy the the house in the neighborhood right across the street from the neighborhood tennis courts. (laughs) So uh, Morgan and I, you know, I think he he would come over for a play date after after preschool or kindergarten class and and we'd play some tennis. and yeah, I, I definitely grew early the same way uh, my dad did. Uh, I was about this size for, for reference. I'm like six foot one, you know, over 220 pounds. I was around this size at like age 12, 13, yeah. 14, you know, but like pretty darn close. So uh, yeah, I had a huge leg up over uh, the, the competition, uh, Morgan and, um, you know, all of my, my fellow 12 year olds that were half my size and, and half of my weight. So, you know, I think that's why I kind of started getting a little bit more serious about tennis. I, I had such a leg up on everyone that I experienced a lot of success early on. And um, that, that drove me to, to play more and more. It's it's fun when you're winning, you know. Uh, Absolutely. And the, the 12s and 14s, it's fun to win. But even more than that, uh, just had so much fun traveling around the, the southeast with my best friends going to tournaments. You know, my, my parents didn't always take me. Sometimes I would go with one of my friend's parents or a, a coach. We would all go together. I mean, some of the fondest memories I, I have are when, you know, 12 through 14, just traveling to tournaments and having fun with my friends and definitely built lifelong relationships uh, with those folks as well. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And at some point, though, you kind of took a step back from competitive tennis. You continued to play on the high school team. Thank goodness they needed you. And uh, y'all wound up winning the state championship your senior year. But prior to that, you kind of, like I said, took a step back from playing tournaments. What kind of led you to that decision? Yeah, um, maybe I'll, I'll even step back a little more. Like, I um I decided to take it a little bit seriously when I was, you know, starting to win some some matches and tournaments in the, in the 12s or whatnot. And then uh, I switched academies over to um, Old Town, which I know Morgan referenced. Uh, we actually trained together probably from the age of 15, 14, 15 through, through like 17, 18, end of high school. And uh, just had an unbelievable time with my, my best friends uh, playing tennis every day there. And 
to be honest, I, I got kind of hooked on just the like the dual lifestyle that I, I got to live. Right. I had my friends at school, but I got to leave early. Right. We had like a minimum day program where we could uh, take one class online and skip lunch and get out of school like two or three hours early every day to go hang out at the tennis courts uh, and play with my buddies. And um, I had so much fun doing that. that I, I got hooked on it. And, and, you know, around 15, 16, I would say, once I got my driver's license, I really got to kind of control what I did with my, my day, where I went, you know, just other interests kind of creeped in and, and started to, to take over in terms of uh, me not focusing too much on, on tennis on the competitive side anymore. But funnily enough, uh, I kind of step, kept playing, even though I knew I, I decided I didn't want to play in college anymore around 16. But I, I, stepped playing, I kept playing high school tennis. I kept getting out of school early to go play tennis with my buddies every day. And I had, I had a jolly time doing it. Uh, but, to, but to back up and uh, kind of how I made the decision to stop uh, playing seriously and why I didn't want to play in college, um, I just thought, like, uh, to what end exactly do I want to play college tennis? Like, is that the end goal or do I want to play college tennis to just keep improving myself as a player and attempt to play professionally. Uh, I knew very early on, I never wanted to try and play professionally. Uh, for context, my, my dad uh, played at Georgia in the eighties and he played professional tennis for about three years after college. He was an unbelievable junior player, um, an absolute legend. If you ask me, you know, uh, USDA Hall of Fame. A lot of people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure, sure. I've been to some, some Hall of Fame induction ceremonies talking about his, his legacy. The, the trophies are somewhere you know, in, in some closet somewhere. And even he, you know, didn't quite have the firepower to, to make it on tour. So I never aspired to do that. So one level down was to, to play college tennis. And it's something I was definitely interested in for some time. But um, it, it almost kind of felt like the, the default route or the default option for me. My parents both played at Georgia. Funnily enough, the same coaches that they played for in the late 80s are still the coaches today. Yeah. Uh, Manuel Diaz and Jeff Wallace, men's and women's, uh, still active in UGA. Um, but I, you know, so I've, I've kind of always assumed I would, I would play for Georgia when I was like really young. But, uh, you know, once I got a little bit older and kind of started thinking about what do I want to do with my life? Who do I want to be? It just became apparent to me that I didn't I didn't really want to to, to grind it out uh, the way that I knew the, the college uh D1 lifestyle was. I wanted to explore other interests. So around 16, I quit playing uh, tournaments. I spent extra time just figuring out what I wanted to do. I mean, I did all kinds of things. It took me years and years to really figure out what I wanted to do, and maybe we'll, we'll get into it. But I started taking guitar lessons. I started playing the piano. I started drawing, doing art. I didn't know what I was going to do, but I just decided I didn't want to spend uh, you know all, all my time grinding away on the, on the tennis court anymore. Uh, but I was able to still balance it and and play socially. Uh, and, and even I'm calling it socially, but I mean, you know, like, yeah, we, we were a good high school team and it was really fun to, to, to play uh, high school tennis with Morgan. And again, all my, my best friends that I grew up playing with my whole life to, to, you know, take the team to a state championship my senior year. Glad I kept, kept at it uh, in that regard. Yeah. And I mean, interestingly, Cruz, you have an older sister who never really played tennis at a competitive level. And I don't know if she took lessons or, you know, was exposed to it. I'm sure she was just given, you know, your family situation, but it just, it wasn't her thing. And everybody was fine with that. There wasn't pressure in your house, it didn't seem, for either of you to follow in your parents' footsteps, but rather y'all were left to explore the things that interested you. 
No, that's absolutely correct. Um, yeah, I mean, the extent my sister got to, to tennis, we played family doubles when, you know, I was under 10 or so. I would play with my dad, uh, no, with my mom against her, my sister and my dad. She's two years old. I never really played tennis. But, um, yeah, they, they definitely never pressured her to play. She never expressed any interest at all. I obviously did express interest in it. I started playing and had a lot of fun doing it. But I definitely have to commend my parents and being excellent tennis parents. They they never put pressure on me to to force me to play tennis. They never put pressure on me. You know, They're never angry when I lost. The only times they would be mad at me was just poor shot selection. You know, way too many drop shots, not taking it seriously enough out there. But that's that's who I was. I never took it uh, too seriously. I never took it too seriously at all. Just just out there to have fun, and you know the old trope. It's it's the friends uh, we make along the way that that really count, uh, and, and that's definitely has been my experience. I mean, lifelong best friends are from twelves uh, and fourteens playing tennis. You know, I just went to Nashville for the Fourth of July weekend with three kids that I grew up playing tennis with. You know, we yeah. had the time of our lives. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. So you made the decision consciously not to pursue college tennis kind of mid high school and to go to college to figure out what you wanted to be. Tell us where you ended up and what you ended up majoring in and what tell us a little bit about your college experience overall. Yeah, sure, sure, sure. So I did end up going to the University of Georgia. Uh, I was always going to be a bulldog. Um, down here in the South, you know, the, you may see memes about the SEC. It, it just means more like being a Georgia Bulldog was always just kind of a part of my cultural identity, more so than just education or a school I wanted to go to. That's just who I am. So I did end up going to UGA. Uh, it took me a year. I went to like a smaller school and then transferred in. The admissions process is, is very difficult in state to get into UGA, but I found my way in there eventually. Uh, after, after one year, uh, actually still in Athens at just a smaller school. Um, roommate, roommates with a kid I grew up playing tennis with. Um, and then I transferred in my sophomore year into the University of Georgia. Um, I ended up being an information systems major. I always was really uh, interested in technology. You know, I, I mentioned going through guitar lessons, piano, art, et cetera, et cetera. The only thing that really stuck was just my interest in technology. Uh, really, really passionate uh, about it. And information systems was my major. Uh, I ended up kind of working in, in software for, for a while, and, and now I'm really diving into the crypto space. But uh, maybe to, to back up a little bit, um, a couple of interesting stories of what I got up to in college um, related to tennis. So I transferred into Georgia my sophomore year. I hadn't picked up a racket one time since, uh, you know, whatever, the last match of the state tournament in high school. Uh uh, that was my senior year, you know, so May didn't play for, you know, uh, about almost two years, I would say. And I did end up picking up a racket and playing uh, club tennis at UGA through the USDA tennis on campus program. Uh, after I transferred into Georgia, you know, one semester or so not playing tennis. Eventually, some of the guys recruited me, you know, the kids that I, that I grew up training with every day were, were on the team. Uh, they recruited me in. I, I joined, and I had an amazing time playing club tennis for three years, for uh, you know, three three seasons throughout my UGA career. Uh, tennis hits a little bit different when it's co-ed, and you know, you got a team with you. It's not too serious. You know, you, you go out and maybe party a little bit when you're when you're traveling to these tournaments. Uh, I ended up dating my mixed doubles partner for for a long while in college. Um, 
I, I switched to a one-handed backhand so that maybe I could play with a, a beverage in my left hand every now and then <laughs> while I'm on the court. Um, but we had a great time. We were an amazing team uh, at UGA. Obviously, Georgia is a tennis powerhouse. I think anyone uh, listening to this podcast probably knows that. So we had tons of talent on the team, and, and it was a, an amazing time there. That's awesome. And y'all won national championships too, right? Uh, we won a few national tournaments, not the, the national championship at okay. the end of the season, but the spring invitational in, um, in Cary, North Carolina, the fall invitational in, in Orlando. You know, we went, we got to fly out to Arizona for nationals one time and, and just had a, an awesome time at all those events. Can you talk a little bit about that tennis on campus experience from a coaching standpoint? Are the teams self-coached? Do y'all hire a coach? How does that work? Yeah, no, we're, we're absolutely self-coached. Uh, everything is entirely voluntary and optional. You know, we have tryouts and at, at Georgia, you know, we probably have the most people try out of any club team in the country, if I had to guess. I mean, I think we had maybe like over 100 people Wow. on the official club team and you know tryouts we had to turn away dozens of people that, that didn't, couldn't quite make the cut so it's a huge pool everything's entirely voluntary we got practice three days a week come if you want don't come if you don't want all the tournaments are voluntary you sign up which ones you're available for you're like oh like we're going to new orleans for mardi gras weekend like yeah i think i'll go to that one that sounds good to me um <laughs> And, you know, we, we, everything's totally run by, run by the students. I think there's a little bit of funding from, um, from the school as well and then the athletic department, but everything's voluntary and, and self-coached. And how many members are on a team? What's the match situation? Like how many lines do you play? Singles, doubles, mixed, et cetera. Yeah. So I think it's, it's modeled after the world team tennis. Uh, people listening to this may be familiar. There's so there's one line of guys singles, one line of guys doubles, one line of girls singles, one line of girls doubles, and then mixed doubles at the end in a crazy overtime tiebreaker scenario. If, if everything's all tied up after that, uh, you can sub in and out players. Uh, I think there's probably a limited number of subs. Not not sure on on the detail there, but um, that's how the matches go. Right, we play a dual match against another school head to head. Officials or no? Maybe at nationals, but typically no. Okay. Right. So we play like a group stage where everyone kind of round robins, everyone in your group, and then the top few teams advance to the knockout stage. There's a bracket. Duel it out to, to see who, who brings home the trophy. Nice. Nice. And you mentioned the power behind the UGA club tennis team. I mean, if if you look, anyone watching this, if you look at the roster of the club tennis team at Georgia and then look up those players from a junior tennis perspective, you'll be blown away. These are kids that could have played on on many D1 teams, D2, D3, pretty much anywhere they wanted, um, chose this route instead, just like Cruz. And Cruz, certainly you had the talent and the ability to play D1 college tennis if, if you had wanted to do that. What did you find? Because I know you were friends with some of the guys on the, the Georgia men's team as well. Did y'all talk about the experience they were having versus the experience you were having? And, and what were some of those differences? Yeah, absolutely. I, I was pretty close friends with, with a lot of the guys on the, on the UGA team um, while I was there. Um, I hung out with them occasionally would even come hit with him on the UGA courts. Uh, if, if I was feeling the itch or I really wanted to get sharp for a national tournament, you know, got to uh, impress my, my partner. 
Um, and we would also hang out uh, in, the, in the library and whatnot, you know, some of the uh, one of the, the players that I grew up playing with, uh, Alex Phillips, actually, I'll go ahead and call him out by name. He was on the Nashville trip with me uh, a couple weeks ago. He did the same major as me, the information system. So I, I kind of took him on my wing a little bit. You know, he was one year younger than me. So I, I got to kind of uh, mentor him through all the same classes that I would have taken, right? Talk about projects, share notes and whatnot. Um, and... You know, he, he, he didn't end up playing a whole lot of competitive matches either, but was on the team. And definitely we had some conversations where it's like, okay, like, what's the difference between what you're doing and what I'm doing? You know, I'm, right. I'm having this grueling experience training and traveling for these matches where maybe I'm just sitting on the bench supporting my team. You know, maybe, you know, who who, who has the, the more favorable experience here? Like, definitely there, there are some questions on both sides. So, you know, I have to see, you know, I, I love to, to compete uh, for – for the G on my chest as well. I got a little bit envious occasionally, but you know, I got to be sitting on the, on the bench essentially right next to him. Also cheering for the the same guys that, you know, we had first close personal relationships uh, with, but I, you know, I think like a difference I'd call out is I, I probably have like a, a better uh, lifelong relationship with tennis with than those guys who really kind of really pushed themselves to, to the limit and then just kind of decided that, tennis wasn't their ultimate future a little bit later than me. Right. Like Morgan, I think as well, right. He, you know, he, he got to the pinnacle playing D one tennis and then eventually kind of decided, okay, what next? Yeah. Right. What do I want to do? I just kind of made that choice a little bit earlier on and, and took a more, a more casual route. But um, I mean, I think Alex still plays on an alpha team now as well. I'm on a team. I run into the same, the same folks that I, I knew all, all along uh, on, on the alpha team as well. I actually play on, on my dad's alpha team uh, a good bit. Um, and you know, that's we, a we, tough team. Oh my gosh, I've yeah. seen that team. <laughs> Absolutely, man. D1 players all over Atlanta. Tennis, yeah. Atlanta's the tennis mecca. For sure, for sure. So, what are you doing now? You're out of college, um, like you said, playing out to tennis, recreational tennis, but it's uh, anybody who knows Alta knows that. Mm-hmm. Alta and recreational don't necessarily go together. It's pretty cutthroat out there sometimes. Yeah, um, depends on, on your perspective. Um, yeah, yeah I'll, I'll I'll take that one and, and back up a little bit more. Go back to college. I think uh, one summer, I think I was hanging out uh, in Athens taking summer classes, uh, and I actually I taught the UGA tennis camp for one week. You know, uh, as a part of my journey, I kind of decided I didn't want to be a tennis, like teaching professional either. Definitely had some people ask me like, oh, like, will you give my kid lessons? I'm like, I don't really want to spend too much time out there and in the sun sweating. That's not uh, the route that I want to go. I did one week at the UJ tennis camp where I think Morgan and I went, you know, 10 years earlier when we were kids. So I thought it was pretty cool to just get that in there uh, uh, as a token item. But the rest of the summer, I also joined a challenge ladder where I played against uh, older gentlemen of Athens. And I met some some really interesting characters there. I had one guy um, that kind of took me in and, and mentored me. And um, he was also an MIS major at UGA. He was a huge tennis fan. Um, you know, so we, we met on the challenge ladder, played a little bit uh, through the summer. And he eventually hired me to work for his tech startup out of Athens. Wow. So that's kind of how I – well, yeah, I mean – uh, I had one job before that and like project management where again, the, the uh, person that hired me was an MIS major at UGA, like working those connections, of course, but then even better than the UGA connection is the, the tennis connection that I was able right. to, to build with this guy. In addition to just UGA, I think he mentioned that he, he watched my parents play in the eighties when he was at UGA and they were on the team. He was a fan. 
uh, as well. So he, he hired me to work for his tech startup. I uh, worked there a little bit during college until I graduated. Um, developed a great relationship with him. With him. His son, uh, who also worked at the startup, eventually joined me on the UGA club team. I got to play tennis with him. And I actually just texted him be- before the podcast, kind of just thinking about these stories. Like, oh, yeah, like, we should we should reconnect. Like, did you graduate yet? Let's, let's chat. Um, so I worked at that startup, and then I got a job um, with a software consulting company out of college. Um, I'm still holding that job right now, but also have been exploring other interests throughout the pandemic here. I've, you know, I've been working from home from for 14, 15 months now. I've got some, got some time to delve into some other things. So, and um, yeah, and, and the crypto space. So basically I, I, I teach people about magic internet money on, uh, <laughs> on the internet. Most of them are pseudonymous figures that have cartoon characters as their avatars and we make jokes on the internet. We post memes and amazingly we make money from it guys. Like it sounds like it's not real, but it is. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. I love it. You've always been an out of the box thinker, even when you were a little boy. I mean, I remember that about you and I think it's so cool that you're finding your way to these different things and how the tennis is kind of interwoven through that. And I really, feel like that's kind of the purpose of these conversations is for the parenting aces community to understand that tennis isn't about only being on the court, playing matches, getting better as an athlete, getting better as a tennis player. But like you mentioned, Cruz, the relationships that you're making, the exposure to people from different walks of life, different fields, um, having the opportunity to network and you know, tennis doesn't have to just lead to college or just lead to professional tennis. It can lead to a lifetime love of playing the game, interacting with people, meeting new people and being exposed to new experiences. And I think you're a perfect example of that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you build lifelong relationships with this lifelong sport. I'll add that, you know, I mentioned earlier, the, the my parents' coaches are still the coaches, and my parents have reunions with their teammates multiple times a year. They, they go to the coach's lake house. Uh, I think they're going next month sometime to have another reunion, bring, you know, eight of their teammates, go to the coach's house and, and chop it up and have a, have a great weekend. Uh, I, I chose to blaze my own path and, and not follow them with the college tennis thing, but I'm, I'm doing the same kinds of things with my friends. Absolutely. These lifelong relationships of, of the kids that I – that I met playing tennis growing up, we're, we're doing the same kinds of things that my parents did. We're, we're getting value out of it. We're, we're, you know, enjoying each other's company. And I'm, I'm working on, on hiring a few kids that uh, I grew up playing with for, for some of my magic internet money, uh, little, little DAOs or startups that, that I'm working for right now. I mean, that's something I really learned actually um, from playing tennis and having that dual life that I mentioned earlier. Like, you know, some of my closest friends were the people that I, you know, met traveling at all these tournaments. So we didn't necessarily live in the same place, but you know, about the time I started playing tennis was about the time that Facebook started to blow up. So mm-hmm. every evening I would hang out on Facebook chat, talking to my friends in North Carolina, Kentucky, Louisiana, et cetera. And I got used to having that kind of internet community early on because my friends were, were dispersed. And, and now I, you know, I'm, I'm posting on social media every day about what I'm up to and what I'm doing. And those same people that I, was Facebook chatting 10 years ago or DMing me like, Hey, like that's a pretty cool project. Like, you think I could join that? Like, absolutely, man. Let's, let's talk about it. Let's, let's do it. 
Yeah. And I know, I mean, you and Morgan kind of went your separate ways for a bit and kind of came back together. We connected through the internet. And I, I just think it's so cool. Um, you were one of the first people he thought of when we started talking about this little series. And he's like, you know, Cruz had had such a different experience and such a different pathway than I took. Um, he'd be a great person to talk to. And so I think you're demonstrating that very clearly that, you know, again, the, the purpose of this is that there's not just one way to do tennis. There's not just one way to do junior tennis. There are loads of ways to do it and loads of ways to benefit from it throughout your life, not just, you know, up to age 18 or up to age 22 when you finish college. Do you feel like, Cruz, that there are lessons that you learned through your junior tennis years? And, and I'm talking about when you were like really into it and playing tournaments on a regular basis and all that. Lessons that you learned from that that led you to have the confidence to blaze your own path, to use your words. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I think one of the main things that, that comes to mind is just um, the, the compound interest, like skill really compounds. If you just spend 10,000 hours on a, on a tennis court, you can get really, really good at something. You can achieve things that nobody else can if they're not putting in the same, the same work or the same time that you are. So I really learned the, the value of that skill compounding if you just focus and are dedicated to something. But at the same time, you're only going to be able to do that if you're having fun doing it. So don't take it too seriously. Make sure you're having fun doing it. If you're not having fun, then then don't do it. Here's a great example of that. Every single, you know, I had a bit of a complicated relationship with tennis it, with it just being uh, such a, a part of my like identity. Ever since I came out of the womb, I, you know, I, everyone knew that I was going to at least try to play tennis. Right? right. So at times it could become a little bit like too much for me. But every year around uh, November, December time, I would quit tennis because I, I didn't like playing when it was cold. Like, it's not fun. It's not fun to be out there. It gets dark early. It's freezing cold. The ball doesn't bounce. Like I played a very aggressive game, like big serve, big forehand, you know, take a lot of risk. Like playing in the cold, wasn't fun for me. So every single year I would, I would quit tennis. I would make it a bit dramatic too. It wasn't just my, like, yes, my I remember annual, that. It, it wasn't just my annual, like, you know, it's cold. I'm going to take a month off. I was like, you know what? I'm done. I'm not playing tennis anymore. I'm hanging it up every single year in, in November, December. But I would come back by uh, by February at the latest uh, pretty much every year. Um, so, so, yeah, I mean, don't take it too seriously, but understand that if you're dedicated to something and, and put in the time, you can achieve things that nobody else can. Well, and I want to point out, you took that break every year and you would come back and dominate when you made the decision that you were ready to start training and competing again. So this is another message that I want people to hear that it's okay for your kid to take a break from training and it's okay for them to take a break from competing. And I've talked about this a lot lately. Um, I wish it, some, it was something that I had understood better when Morgan was coming up because I think those breaks were really good for you, Cruz. They allowed you the freedom to explore other things to kind of recharge your battery and to come back ready to work hard. Do you agree with that? Absolutely. Breaks are essential uh, in, in anything. You know, I, I think it's, you know, you, you probably talk about this with other folks on this podcast, but I think 
junior athletes in general, tennis, basketball, whatever sport, probably are just playing way too much in general. Like people are pounding themselves into the pavement, especially tennis, like taking place on concrete. Uh, it's tough on your joints, man. If you log thousands and thousands of hours, I know I said that's a good thing earlier on, but maybe spread it out a little bit. Take a break every now and then. Don't play 100 hours a week. Um, so, I mean, yeah. And, and even now with what I'm doing now, I, you know, I, I apply that same thing. I, I took that, that nice weekend, uh, in Nashville, July 4th, I, I took a whole week off of the internet, took a week vacation, took a week off of the internet, even all of my side jobs. I didn't log on to Twitter, didn't look at anything related to crypto or any of the startups that I kind of like freelance for. Uh, and you know what? I came back and my energy was on fire. My memes were on point that next week. Like I leveled up. <laughs> absolutely. By, by taking that break, give myself, uh, give my brain the, the time to kind of recover and make sure that what I'm doing is is what I really want to do. Like, you know, that taking the break is really essential. Give yourself that space to, to be intentional with your time. Like, make sure that what you're doing is what you really want to do. Make sure that you're intrinsically motivated to do whatever you're spending your time on or you're not going to make it. Right. And I think, you know, for kids that are 9, 10, 12, even up to 14, 15, may not have the self-awareness or the self-knowledge to know to do that. And so it's important that parents hear this message and offer up those breaks, right? That the coaches hear this message and offer up the breaks and, that we all kind of wrap our head around the fact that, you know, just because you're taking a month off or three months off or six months off doesn't mean you're done with the sport. It just means you're taking a break. It is what it is just on its face, right? We don't need to start reading into it too deeply and, you know, thinking, oh my God, you know, we've spent all this time and money and now our kid's done with tennis. They come back eventually. Yeah. They, they come back eventually and maybe they're they're benefiting from it, uh, even if they don't take it to, you know, become a professional tennis player. You know, I, I mean, you don't have to look at it as like, oh, we, we spent all this time investing in our kid and, and now they don't they don't want to play anymore. It was all for nothing. Like, it's not all for nothing. I mean, m- most activities that parents spend uh, money or time on for their kids don't end up being their career or what have you. It's all about right. just investing in yourself. And, and, you know, giving yourself those experiences and you can figure out, um, you know, how they shape you and how they benefit you later on. Yeah, absolutely. So if you were kind of looking back and giving advice to your, let's say, 12 year old self, knowing what you know now, what would you say? Yeah. Um, I, I think it, it worked out pretty well but the advice that would give me is to just focus on the relationships with your building those people uh to to focus on playing long-term games with long-term people like the the compound interest that i talked about in, in in like uh building your tennis skill like same thing with the relationships with with the people around you like uh, i have a lot of friends like morgan even that i like was really close with at times but fell out of touch with you know at, at other times and we're We've been connecting a ton lately and, you know, there's a lot of crossover in our, in our interests and whatnot. We've got a great time talking. But uh, that's definitely one piece of advice that I would give myself. Another one uh, that I probably didn't figure out until a little bit later was to just not take life too seriously. Uh, like, like, you know, around 16 or so was when I kind of decided I didn't want to play tennis like too hard and started looking 
you know, at the, the, the broad world around me and figuring out how much is possible uh, to do. But I could have probably figured that out a little bit earlier on. You know, thinking back, I think after I lost some matches in the 12s, I probably cried a little more than I should have. Um, not, not necessary uh, at all. But um, that's, that's kind of all, all that comes to mind uh, for, for that one. Uh, now, yeah. I'm really happy with how my experience went. You know, I, I fell in and out of love with tennis many times, but I build great relationships and I have a good relationship with the sport. Now, maybe a slightly complicated one, but I think it's overall positive. Yeah, I agree with that. I think, I think your approach to it is uh, very mature and, you know, one that most people would hope their children would have down the road. You know, I certainly, uh, the fact that you're still playing for fun and that you're seeing the benefits of all the work you put in in your younger years, I think is awesome. You know, one thing that comes up when we talk about junior tennis is this whole notion of cheating. And you grew up in the Southern section with Morgan. Um, you know, this was, I mean, I think it's its a conversation that happens at junior tournaments around the country, maybe around the world. Do you have any memories of having to deal with cheating in tournaments? Oh man, I'm not gonna pull out any names. But, uh, <laughs> absolutely absolutely especially younger 12s 14s when i was more serious which probably has a lot to do with why i remember um running into that then but yeah kids man kids are kids are ruthless it's i feel like it, a lot of the times it's probably the kids that uh maybe their parents put a little too much pressure on them to win they feel like they're you know they're they have to cut corners or whatnot but um you know, uh, uh, I never fell victim to that intentionally. I'm sure there's plenty of people that I played against that would tell you he's a cheater. He absolutely hooked me on that one call on the baseline. But, um, man, what, what do I have to say about that for kids? Just roll your eyes, shake your head, go grab the ref, and, and don't freak out. Don't retaliate. Don't get too angry. Don't get too torn up about it. Um, you know, the, the, the ranking points don't don't mean all that much. You know, keep keep your head held high. If the other kid compromises integrity to, to get, pull one over on you, you know, that's his problem, not yours. Yeah, love that. And I mean, do you feel like having experienced the the cheating in junior tennis, were there lessons you learned from that that you applied to other things in your life? Because we talk a lot about that, like, you know, handling controversy and overcoming adversity and all those things that, you know, we hope our kids are learning through playing a sport or specifically tennis. Yeah. You know, I, I didn't have too many like really impactful experiences dealing around cheating, but um, I, I think I always tried to, you know, my, my mom drilled into me, honesty, respect, and gratitude were three really important values to live by. Uh, I tried to adopt that, uh, and and I was always kind of, well, maybe I didn't figure it out, out until later, but I just think, like, how you feel about yourself is more important than anything else, really. So, you know, keep your head held high. Don't, don't, uh, don't stoop to someone else's level, you know, take, take the high road. Um, yeah. Actually, I'm, I'm, I, got a, I got a little prop for you real quick. Let me, let okay. Me, right there, that, that plaque. Yeah sportsmanship award 14 and under national champion uh at the hard courts there you go uh, the the story the only reason that's particularly significant to me my dad won the same 
uh, 14 and under hardcore sportsmanship award from the same tournament director when he was 14 and I wow. took home this, the same trophy. So uh, I have awesome. that one, that one, uh, on the wall, but I don't have any of my other tennis trophies around. I, I hope. <laughs> <laughs> That's really cool. That's really cool. Do you feel like there are things that, you know, you have taken from the adversity side of tennis. So maybe coming back from being down in a match or, you know, dealing with bad line calls or dealing with coaching on the sidelines or whatever it is that are now skills that you use on a regular basis in your adult life. Yeah. Mm. I think, you know, overcoming adversity, I know was a, a phrase that our high school tennis coach loved to throw out there over and over. Just, Bang that one home. And of course, it's one of life's most important skills, I think, to be resilient. Um, but I, I don't have too many uh, kind of direct thoughts on that. But I think what I learned was the most important thing is to believe in yourself first. If you don't believe in yourself, why would anyone else believe in you? Or if you don't believe in yourself, then you've already lost, essentially. So that's something that I definitely kind of take with me. Uh, probably spawned out of my um, early, early tennis, tennis days. Um, that's an important lesson that, that I, that I uh, take away from it. If one day in the future you have kids, will they play tennis? You know, I, it's kind of not, depends on my partner, I guess a little bit, but okay, um, true. I, I think like for me, it was always assumed that I would, you know, I'd pick up a racket, I'd mess around, see see what it's all about. I think that would probably happen with, with any of my kids. But um, will they play tennis competitively? You know, only if they if they really express an, an interest in it. And, uh, you know, the answer is maybe, but I can promise you that they won't take it too seriously. That's, that's something that I'll try to instill in them. But, yeah, I, I'd hope that they would be able to, to play a little bit recreationally, uh, even if it's just like my sister, kind of just get out there with the family. Because everyone on both sides of my family, it's not just my parents, their brothers and sisters all played high school tennis as well. And, you know, anytime around Christmas time, we, we bring the whole family out to the courts, get a little doubles game going. So I'd imagine they'd, they'd probably uh, do, a, do a bit of that uh, with, with my kids one day. I love that. Cruz, it's been such a treat to catch up with you. Any last words you want to leave with the Parenting Aces audience? Yeah, I mean, I think the the takeaways, I've, I've repeated a few things so far, are, are, are um, don't take it too seriously. Don't put too much pressure on your kids. It's the, the relationships they build along the way that, that really matter. And um, there's a great big world out there beyond tennis, I think, uh, even if your kid is a uh, very serious tennis player and wants to spend all their time doing it, make sure they have other interests. Make sure that they are thinking about what's going on in the world outside of tennis. Make sure they're, they're not too laser focused on it. Um, and make sure that you take breaks, give them the opportunity to breathe. Don't avoid burnout at all costs. Obviously it's like one of the hardest things to do with, with competitive junior tennis. Uh, I think like expect that they'll get burnt out at certain times, you know, they may or may not come back for it, but, you know, maybe start thinking about a strategy for, for what to do when you start to get burned out to, to avoid burning all the way out. Or if they do burn all the way out, that's okay too. Maybe there's, there's still some, some lessons, some skills, some, some learnings that they've taken out of uh, their tennis experience. 
did you, when you would take a step back from tennis during your junior years, was it because of burnout at all? I mean, did that factor in or was it simply you didn't like playing in the wintertime and, you know, you just, that was your excuse to get off the court? Yeah. Um, I think it was a bit existential. Like I was a little bit worried that tennis was becoming my identity more than just an activity that I did. I remember having one really like formative conversation with one of the great tennis parents at the academy that I trained at. Uh, I think he was a pilot uh, and his daughter was, you know, playing pretty serious competitive tennis, probably ended up playing college tennis. And just he kind of pulled me aside. You know, it was probably a moment when I was really kind of struggling with whether I want to play or not anymore. And he told me like, hey, man, listen, kid, like what you do does not define you. You play tennis, but you are not just a tennis player. So like I was a bit worried that I was becoming a little bit too pigeonholed and, and not uh, well-rounded enough. So I just wanted to like take a step back and explore what else was out there. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't and have, a, have, were- a, have a normal experience. Honestly, it yeah. was probably what like what ultimately drove me to, to decide to want to play um, as competitive as everyone else. Like I, I was worried that I was missing out on a, a normal experience that everyone else had. I laugh at that now because normal is like my least favorite word in the world. Like, I have no idea what it means anymore. Uh, I think everyone, even as everyone's catching up to this over the last year of, of the pandemic, that unprecedented gets thrown around like every day. There is no normal. I keep talking about people talk about the, the new normal. Like nothing matters, man. Like you, you can do whatever you want to do. Anything's possible. Yo, I'm trying to rebrand YOLO into nothing matters. It's like one of my one of my favorite phrases. But the people get worried that I'm like an absolute nihilist when I say nothing matters all the time. But it's really a combination of YOLO, anything's possible, and just do it. Yeah, love it. I mean, yeah, again, you have always been an out-of-the-box thinker. And I'm glad to see that part of you has remained intact through all of the experiences that you've had over the last 10 years or so. And um, very pleased to see that you look great, you look happy, you sound happy, you sound like you're on a great path and uh, just wish you all the success. Thank you. Yeah. Um, happy and healthy, as the kids are, are saying these days. Uh, shout out to Olivia Rodrigo. But uh, yeah, uh, so happy to be on. So many things have been coming full circle. You, you mentioned that 10 years. Like uh, recently, I've just gone through such a flashback from from 10 years ago when I was 14, you know, reconnecting with those same people and, and digging up some of the, the juiciest, uh, best memories from, from my life that are giving me that new energy and, and driving me forward. I love it. Well, continued success to you. Please say hello to your family for me. And uh, it's just been a pleasure to chat with you. So thanks for being on. To my listeners, thank you for tuning in. And we'll catch you next time on Parenting Aces. I'm Lisa Stone, and you've been listening to the Parenting Aces podcast. For tennis parents, If you like what you heard, please subscribe to us and write a review on iTunes. For more information on navigating the junior and college tennis journey, please visit us online at ParentingAces.com. Thanks for tuning in and sharing us with your tennis community.